Alright everybody, it's time for Face for Radio. I'm gonna shove my face right up all in your radio. Get ready for this. With Randall Aubrey, fucking Harrison, and Sarah Monster. Good evening everybody and welcome to Face for Radio. Joining me now is fucking Harrison. What up people? And a Sarah Monster. Hi everybody. I haven't seen you since the very first episode of the show. I How know. have you been? I I've been good. I've I don't know. I've been around. <laughs> You've been around. Around. I get around. She she's been so around that she was actually out of state. That's true. She's Where'd been you go? That around. I went to Texas. You went to, didn't you? Go to I Texas know. Too? We yeah. went to we Texas. Went, did you guys go together? We went yes. together. We did go together. Really? We did not is go this to like a, a revelation know, or right? something. <laughs> it is, it is in pretending fact, like it's absolutely new a revelation. Yeah. I knew you were going to Texas. Yeah. I didn't know you were going. Sarah to oh. and I certainly didn't know that you guys were going. Together. Yeah. Yeah. Well, shut the fuck up. How was your fucking trip? Pardon. Trip was trip was good. <laughs> yeah. No, we had to hang out with our super weird friend in Richardson. Uh, yeah, she was in Richardson, Richardson Texas, Texas, which is like a like a slightly affluent suburb of Houston. It's shit's like Fear and Loathing in the Lone Dallas. Star State. Oh, tell me the Dallas, real story. Not Houston, Dallas. Dallas. It's like Fear the and Loathing. The real story. In... Yeah. The, the real story. I'll tell you. I've never seen a flatter place. In oh my, my god! Life. Right. Yeah. I. I Kara, Kara made a funny joke. I was just like, Dude, this is like, like I can literally see for miles. She goes, yeah, this is the only state where you can actually watch your dog run away from you for miles. Yeah. <laughs> is was, this why people believe in the fucking flat earth? Is this, maybe. Is, is this the flat earth people? You might believe it if you go there. It, you know, I it's can only really imagine, flat. dude. Well, and the other thing too, one of my, one of my buddies was telling me, he actually went out to Texas pretty recently and he was uh, in Austin and he was telling me that like, in Austin, because it's like a pretty sort of liberal, kind of hipstery, new age city. Apparently, he was like, it's the New Portland. Blue Island the new- in the Red Sea of Texas. Yeah. Right, right. He was telling me that, like, the people that he saw out there when he was there are a lot like us. They're not, you know, it's, 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 our, it's our same kind of people. And, I mean, whatever. But Jokes. If you really want to put us into that. I don't, we're not hipsters. There's no. just a lot of hipsters re- out here. No, there's, and there's a lot saying, of people that happen to look uh, and act a lot yeah. like us. You realize and I guess that that's hipster. You realize that hipsterism is a movement that exists to destroy itself. Well, I'm not a part of that. So are the e- <laughs> definitely not a part of that. Isn't that true of like the emos too? Nobody, but but my butt. <laughs> I'm but, gonna cut myself and jerk no, like off my, in the blood. But like my whoa, okay. Um, we're gonna I took have it to, to a dark the, place. We're gonna have to cut that shit. No, are you kidding? But you're gonna think of it later when you're going to, to sleep. Before you cut yourself. This is going unedited right here. This is. This oh, is but my at. boy was telling me that. There's a lot of people who he saw a lot of of similar people to himself and like a very it's like a pretty similar demographic to the Varia Bay Area. There's a lot of Silicon Valley expats, et cetera, et cetera. Sure. But he was like, you could spot the natives in a hot minute when you would go out because you'd go to a restaurant and you'd sit down to go have dinner or something at like a rib joint where you get a like brontosaurus yeah, yeah, no, rack for ridiculous. 25 bucks. They're not playing when it comes to joints out there that do barbecue. Mm-hmm. And he's not. like, you'd see these folks and be like, you know, they'd be hanging out at their table and shit. And then the food would come to the table and you'd be like, oh, they're about to tuck in and it's going to be great. And then they would, you know, hold hands and say grace. Yeah. And then they would tuck into their brontosaurus rib. And he was like, <laughs> I don't know what you guys but living in a place like we do in the fucking barrier in california like that just strikes me as so it's weird weird it is weird no uh the the trip was awesome it uh it was it was bright and sunny the yeah. majority of the time we, we we had a little cloud cover come in once or twice i just wanted to know if either of you had the opportunity to tumble with any tumbleweeds no 
I don't. That's a big negative. I did not tumble with any tumbleweeds, nor did I sleep with any of the natives, unfortunately. I don't want to catch the Texan. I cuddled up with Kara a couple yeah. nights. You know, we we did the three of us sleep in the bed occasionally when we slept. Night. Yeah, when you guys slept, it's like a uh, Willy Wonka style. Was, oh yeah, no, I yep. was on the outside. Kara was in the middle, and uh, and Sarah was on the inside. Yep. And uh, and we I all like slept quite hardly that first that first night. Oh man, mm. we got in and like the three of us, we were just out for well, like twelve hours. To be fair, that first night I was up and down yeah. quite a bit because I had the nasty she was food sick. poisoning. She got food poisoning. First day on the way out there. So first day she was just like vomiting all over the place. Super fun gnarly. all the time. Oh man, it was, it was right? pretty gnarly. Yeah. Oh, very like Exorcist style. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like and a, then by the end of the trip, it's like I'm like, all right, we got two days left, and they're like down to like sleep and draw and do all this. And I'm like, oh, I want to go out and see fucking Dallas. So <laughs> I went and I had a day to myself. I went to Dealey Plaza, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I actually, I got really, really kind of, uh, I, uh, I was a bit enraged because I'm, I'm, I'm in the plaza. I'm reading the placards. You know, I'm getting into the whole history of it. And standing on the grassy knoll was a gal on a soapbox proselytizing. Oh. You know, come back to Jesus. And she's got all these oh, buddies, boy. you know, with these, with with Bibles and, you know, repent. And, you know, I mean, just all this hateful, slanderous, like, you better turn to God if you're gay or, you know, if you do this. or The you know, assassination if you do this. was and, a Jewish conspiracy. And it, and it just pissed me off because I went for the history. And right. there's some gal, like, with a bullhorn shouting across Dealey Plaza. It pissed me off. So um, you're ruining the experience. And, and she bitch. did. She kind of ruined the experience. I, I cut it short a little bit there, and I went actually up to the book depository and like did the whole she, tour. And, and then like, the Hooters. When, does, when yeah. does this bitch get her magic bullet? It just it pissed. It really pissed me off. It really, really did. But I got a bunch of great pictures, and you know, I posted them mm-hmm. as I was on the trip. And I mean, uh, all in all, we had a really, really good time. There. I loved that bar arcade we went yeah, to. Yeah, no, Ooh, we went to a and bar. The escape from a room. The, that was. Oh fun. no, that was so much that fun was great. too. Because we 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 went to. <laughs> it was uh, so fun. We went to yeah. a bar that had a bunch of old retro arcade oh, games. Oh, so good! Tons of them, just lines. And of you them. just and they oh, were nice. all free play. We yeah. were gonna we were gonna talk about on one of the shows about the video game museum that's being built in Texas. We like were. apparently that's kind of a thing there. Um, Genius! Well, I love it. Why don't we have that out yeah, here? No, it's fantastic. It's just like you paid like ten bucks. You yeah. go in, you can play all the games as much as you want, and, and there's beer. You buy your drinks and stuff like well, that's that. That's David Buster's no, kind of no. sorta. Yeah, no, but yeah, but these were classic like games. Yeah, no, these, these were, were like old games that old you grew up with. Tango the... and Cash, The Simpsons, yeah. you know, the Centipede. Area Fifty One oh, like game. Oh, I fucking love that game. Yeah, like old pinball machines and like the original like Pac Man, Mrs. Pac Man, and Mario. I know, but literally, it was fucking awesome. Um, we uh, we all. We're game family. people. We're game people. We all, as a family, so to speak, uh, we uh, we went and played uh, at uh, a place that has escape rooms. So we were actually locked in a video game room where we had to figure out clues. We had like an hour. Yeah. And we barely sorted it out with like four minutes to spare. Wait, Not even. Is, wait, you had to they, like, they have these. Yeah, they have these locally. They're escape rooms. They're yeah. themed. You get a group of people together and you're given a few clues and like a key and no, then there wasn't even and, anything. They just leave you in the room. We had like, to get the key. In a, you're locked in a room and yeah. have to find and you your way out. Hour. Yeah. Hour. yeah. Shut up. So it was it's, really so like, cool. it's like Saw. Yeah. Well, no, yeah. The attraction. Yes. They have these exactly. in Santa Clara, and I've thought about They're doing so this cool. recently. Yeah, they have a few of them We in Santa should Clara. totally do that. I'm, I'm keen to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, There's one in South San Jose. 
Is there one in Southside? Yeah, yeah there's it one in It got great reviews. Clara. I was really? looking at it. It looked really good. Fucking neighborhood. No, I'm definitely down. Yeah. Let's do this. Um, it was a lot of fun because you get into this room and then you start solving things and then you solve like one thing and then like this door slides open and it leads you into another room yeah. with more clues and then you get you sort out these clues and you figure out a couple of other things and then oh this door in the back that you didn't even know was a door opens up and leads into an entirely different room and then you can see into the other room and then you got to sort all this and I mean like, it, was it was a so lot fun. of fun. I felt like a fucking bump on the log you... half the time because there were like some really smart people it was with so us. Co- it, like, but there was like so much stuff in the you're like what what is, is this does this key go in any of one of yeah. these four locks I don't know what is what do these numbers mean I don't maybe it's this keypad maybe I'm supposed to what am I supposed to do with this giant nerf gun it, it, it turned out to be a lot of fun you guys and I really it wanna, was cool I really want to do this here you with guys, the group here my body is so ready for the mystery room <laughs> sounds fucking fantastic yeah but hey everybody we got a great show for you tonight so we're gonna get to it that the search for the new young Han Solo is been on, has been underway for a good little while now. And there's a short list out actually now of a few actors. Uh, some big names of note originally were up uh, for grabs, but, um, well, the field has been narrowed down to three actors, uh, one of which I've never even heard of before. Uh, Alden Einrich, who... Everybody's recently seen in Hail Caesar. Is it Einrich or Ehrenreich? Uh, I think it's Einrich. Well, hell, you know what? It's German, and I, I'm not great at pronunciation. There, there are too many H's and R's in his last name. Ehrenreich. Either way, I'm probably butchering this, but uh, it might sound better if you yelled it. I, I know Ehrenreich. <laughs> Ehrenreich. <laughs> That's <Okay>. good. Um, <laughs> he's not the only one. He 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 basically. Uh, they say scene-stealing work in Hail Caesar. If you'll listen to episode three when when uh, I do my review on Hail Caesar with the Viking, I was very nonplussed, and she was in agreement. The movie fell flat on several occasions. Who did Not he? their best work. Uh, he was some country cowboy star. Just some supporting actor or something? No, no, no. He was, he was a lead actor uh, in the film. He was mm. really big for westerns, but he, he was placed into... He filled in for another actor who stepped out of like this really posh, uh, you know, period piece, you know, set in like, I don't know, I don't know, current times, whatever. Anyways, he couldn't act for shit. Mm. He could shoot a gun, yeah. he could lasso a horse, he could ride a horse. But when it came to actually walking on the set and, you know, being upstanding and civilized, he couldn't. Do and it. let's and he, face and it, he probably wasn't riding that horse or throwing that lasso either. Well, apparently in, in the movie he was. He was actually really? doing okay. he he gets, that. Really? Okay. He gets a few points for that. Yeah, just he, a few. Apparently he could do that. Jack Raynor is another gentleman. If anybody watched the last Transformers film, Age of Extinction, nope. I actually watched this movie once, and I didn't even remember who the hell this actor was until I saw this shortlist. I could only watch that movie once. I know. It was I saw God it once in the theater. Fucking <laughs> awful. One of the worst movies I have ever seen in my life. Who the fuck did this guy play? I don't even remember. Like I, I he was I the boyfriend. That show. He out. was Mark Wahlberg's daughter's boyfriend. Okay, okay. So all I remember is seeing, like, you know, Mark Wahlberg running around with the giant, like, guns and then some 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 digital robots and then this really cute blonde chick that was The way fight too scenes were me. the highlights of the movie. Other than that, it was like a two and a half hour shit show. It was. It like, was. It was and I, I don't know how they justified making that movie two and a half uh, hours. I will tell you how they justified making that movie two and a half hours because overseas market. 
Yeah, because that movie yeah. did not. It did. No, it didn't it, do it well did, here. It didn't do very well here. But they ate it up in Hong Kong and mm-hmm. in, in, in Seoul, all over in China and Japan and Korea. Mm-hmm. They were just like, Umex, I don't know if you guys know. Umex, Umex. I, I don't know if you guys know, but yeah, they got a thing for giant robots in Southeast Asia. No, if that's, actually, South Southeast Asia is the reason we right. have a thing yeah, for trivia, robots. Yeah, exactly. Like trivia, little known trivia fact to the audience before we move on. Transformers actually started out as a Japanese product, uh, a cartoon show that was designed to market toys, and then was brought over here and turned into a thing. Um, looking at these three gentlemen, this one I, I, I like the most, but I also uh, have the least faith in. And mm. it's uh, Taron Edgerton. He was in Kingsman. And he's also in Eddie the Eagle, which I hear is really, really good. I heard that um, too. I haven't seen it, but it looked good. I haven't seen it either, and I, I mean to put a little check next to it. Uh, Taron Edgerton, he's definitely got, uh, I think he's got the chops. He's, 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 you know, he's done some good stage work. But I'll tell you, looking at these three, uh, and this is a, apparently this is the three that are in contention for the young Han Solo. I see the most likeness to Harrison Ford being with the first gentleman that we uh, we mentioned, Alden, Ayn mm-hmm. uh, Reich. Mm. Um, and now, given that he's got the darker, he's a little darker complected. He's got the dark hair. Yeah. You know, my favorite in this though uh, is definitely Taron. I really like. It. Fuck this guy in the middle. I, yeah. I just don't like it. I don't like any of them. Uh, there's a few that have been discarded at this point, but there was a guy whose name is Miles Teller. But you don't know who Miles Teller is. I I do now because I looked him up today. <laughs> okay, well you fail on. But that. yeah, he's the guy. He was in Divergent and in Whiplash, oh, and I feel like out of the out okay. of the like out of the whittled down list. That there was like a fine, you know, obviously there's a series of cuts that are made when, yeah. when this is going on. This guy, I thought, looked the part the best. I'm not really familiar with any of, of these people. You've not been paying mm. attention to Miles Teller then. No, no I Whiplash, haven't. Sadly enough. Chronicle, that horrible movie that came out last year, Fantastic Four. Or oh. Fantastic Four. Fa- who did he play in Fantastic Four? He was Mr. Fantastic. Oh, okay. I feel like he kind of looks the part the best. I saw some pictures of him where he looked kind of smarmy and sort yeah. of like, yeah, the crooked he grin. He could do the, the roguish the, bit. He could do he the roguish could. bit, and you have to have that with this guy. As I understand, though, he's out of the running. Which is a shame. Which, which honestly is the same. Um, uh, a shame. Ansel Elgort? Uh, no. Uh, this kid, he was also in the Divergent series. He was also in Fault in Your Stars. Not, yeah. not really. He doesn't have the look. He looks too much like a kid. Well, they are trying to go for sort of a youngster thing, yes, so are. I feel that. So you got to find somebody who's kind of who's like below thirty. Well, and, yes, they do, which is what of, they're going for. Yeah, we're gonna get like young Han Solo when he when he washes out of the Imperial Academy and he meets Chewbacca. And mm. I hope they go. Right. I don't know. See, Disney did a big wash and they got rid of all the canon, all of the <gasps> books. They just got rid of everything. Pretty much. They kept a few bits and pieces here. There were a few books that were written right after Star Wars. Mm -hmm. And there was uh, a trilogy of books that were uh, produced. That was the Young Han Solo Chronicles. And in book one, Han Solo washes out of the Imperial Academy as a stormtrooper. And the reason why he washes out is because he meets Chewbacca, who's being tortured by some rebel interrogators, and he saves Chewbacca, and they escape, and then he becomes a fugitive, and then he becomes the smuggler everybody knows. I would love to see that iteration come forward. Yeah, that'd be oh, good. Yeah. But I don't know, and that that is where Chewbacca's life debt stems from mm-hmm. for Han Solo, is the fact that Han saved Chewbacca. Okay. I would love to see that. Whether or not they're gonna do that, I don't know, but I okay. imagine that I mean, there obviously are script writers 
building some kind of story right now. Mm-hmm. This is the first movie that we get, this Chronicle series with Han Solo, the young Han Solo Chronicles, or whatever the fuck they call it. This will deal with Han meeting Chewbacca. Right. And I, the point is why I brought this story on here is that they're looking now to have a Han Solo cast, possibly maybe to have a small cameo in Rogue One. Oh, I see. Yes. That makes Not, sense. Now, okay. apparently, Vader, as everybody knows, if you're paying attention, Vader's playing a rather prominent role in Rogue One. I heard it was semi-prominent. No, it's each day it seems to be growing just a little bit more. Okay. As more people from set are going, oh, Vader was on set again. Oh, the actor, who, whoever. They yeah, saw. Okay. So, But, I mean, he's going to be in it yeah. rather prominently, as well as the rogues gallery of bounty hunters that we saw in Empire Strikes Back. Mm-hmm. So, Bosk, Dengar, IG-88, and maybe even Fett. Fun. Ooh, These bounty hunters yeah. will be tasked to fight. Find these there guys. will probably be a fat cameo. Yeah. If only there should a sm- be. If only a small. I'd one. love to see a little fat cameo because I can't get enough of fat. But, mm. anyways, the hunt goes on for Han Solo. Um, I am definitely hoping that it's Taron Edgerton. I really like him. Uh, he he was a surprise to me in Kingsman. They're doing a sequel, and he's in it. And I would definitely like of these three. I want to see Taron Edgerton, though sure. I don't think it'll happen. Who do you mm. who do you think it will be? Um, honestly, I think it's going to be Alden. Because he looks the part. He does yeah. look the part the best. And I mean, Not I mean, again, a huge I haven't, fan, I gotta say. I, yeah, I, I haven't uh, seen it, but go ahead. Uh, I, I didn't see, what was the other, the the Caesar movie he was in? Hail Caesar. Hail Caesar. Yeah. I didn't see that one, so I'm not sure. What else um, has he been in? I don't know. I've there was seen this, this teen movie called Beautiful Creatures where it was supposed to be set in the deep south and he was in love with a witch. And was that him in that? Yeah. He oh, was, oh, the, he was the, the guy. Like the rival like witch families or something. Yeah. Shit, they right? had to choose like are you light he side or dark that? side? He was the main dude. He was the boyfriend. Oh, it's like the that's Wic- where I've seen Yeah. Him it's like the Wiccan Star Wars. Do you, no. <laughs> you want to be on the light side or the dark side? Yeah, kind of. I, I totally <laughs> went and saw that movie given who I was seeing at the time. Of course, um, mm-hmm. she wanted to see that. I mean, I kind of dug it. You know, it was fun. It was all right. But, I, I mean, like, it, it wasn't anything great, and he didn't, he wasn't, like, a stellar actor or anything. No. His, no. his accent and was pretty terrible. So he may, he may or may not really have the chops. But he may we'll look the part, see. but he may not act the part. Given what Disney is, is inclined to do in casting, you know, small names or no names in prominent yeah. parts, I mean... Looking at the Marvel Universe, uh, Chris Evans was kind of big when he got the cast of Captain America, but, I mean, who really heard of Hemsworth before he was cast as Thor? Robert Downey Jr. was big, but he was resurging in his career, and this is, you know, has made him. Let's, who ever heard of Daisy Ridley before she was cast as Ray? She John was Boyega? No, she was I nobody. knew about John Boyega. A little bit, yeah. And Oscar Isaac, I'm like, Oscar Isaac, I've been watching his career for the last 10 years. Mm-hmm. So I knew who the hell he was. He was the biggest name on the list, but who ever heard of Daisy Ridley? No, nobody. You know, nobody. Nobody has it now. And she did great. I mean, I've got a story with her later on, and I'm yeah. totally psyched about it, but let's move on to some more Star Wars. Well, I just, real quick before we do, I just, I just want to give a shout out to Shia LaBeouf. No, no, because no. here's the thing. No, Why this are we guy. About Shia LaBeouf? Because because he's got a boner for him. Of people polled for who should be cast in the role of young Han Solo, voted for Shia. No, LaBeouf. no, I'm not kidding. I read this earlier. I, today. I'm not. I'm not denying you. I'm just. I'm vetoing that right no. now. I just. What? I just. I feel like here's the thing, and I'm not alone in this. Like there is a his voice of makes me want to punch things. I, here's here's the thing. The the guy is fucking crazy and he comes off a little bit dangerous and Han Solo yeah like a crack at it and Han Solo is fucking crazy and comes out a little bit dangerous I'm gonna okay? tell you 
why Shia LaBeouf cannot be Han Solo. Because he can't act? Tell you, no, well, okay. No, let's. I think in some instances he is a fine actor, but okay. I'll tell you, he is too much of a method actor. He's too deep in it. Do you realize that for Fury, I don't know if either of you watched Fury, no. which David Ayer directed, had Brad Pitt. It's about a tank crew during World War II. Oh. Shia LaBeouf is in this film, and he goes out pretty, pretty epically, honestly. He actually cut his own cheek Jesus. for realism and took out one of his own teeth. <laughs> Pulled out one of his own teeth by himself. You can there's like you don't really notice it unless you're really looking, but he's got like he's missing one of his fucking canines. Oh, man. He took out his own tooth for realism because his dedication to the craft. Okay. No, that there's a line and he I, fucking stepped away see, over. I it. like him a little better now. No, see, this does not this does not diminish Crazy does it for me. This does not diminish him at all in my eyes one fucking bit. Okay? I still don't think that he's right for that part, but no. that's fucking no. funny. No, see, here's the thing, there's precedent. He played Indiana Jones's kid. Let's Boo! Not, don't bring that up. How no, dare you? No. Let's How not, dare let's you? Not forget yeah. that this is a thing that My happened. Because I don't care. Matters. No. You, I don't want to think about thing? the time I was raped. No, thank you. Whoa. Okay, girl. <laughs> they took. Now. Come on, you saw that episode of fucking South Park. <laughs> they took my childhood and raped it, and we all had to watch. <laughs> fucking aliens! God damn well, show it! Show me on the Ark of the Covenant where Sheila Booth touched you. <laughs> Let's uh, go into this next story, Randall. We're going to do this TIE Fighter anime thing. So, this story is a little dated. It is a little dated. This is a little dated. But approximately this time this year, last year, excuse me, there was an anime, a Star Wars fan film anime that was made called TIE Fighter that if you haven't caught it yet, is goddamn delightful. Uh, it was made by a guy named Paul Johnson. He took about four years to make this project, largely working nights and weekends like the rest of us do, to create this beautiful fan film that is a Star Wars anime taken from the perspective of the Imperial Army attacking a uh, small rebel fleet somewhere or other. And it legit makes you root for the bad guys because they are so badass in this thing. And it's just, it's basically just like a seven minute dogfight. And. You should totally watch it if you haven't. It's largely inspired by things like Robotech and Gundam and all of those other sort of giant What's robot franchises. It? It's just called TIE Fighter. Okay. So you and, find it on YouTube. I mean, it, a lot of nerds have probably already found it. Right. Well, it's got 5 million YouTube hits since last so, year, which is which is incredible. And I just, I really fucking love it. And I feel like now that Disney has acquired uh, Lucasfilm. A number of years ago, they contracted with Studio Ghibli, the legendary anime studio. They have been distributing Ghibli films throughout the United States for years. Oh, God, I grew up with my neighbor, Chotoro. Yeah, they're fucking, they're fucking incredible films, so we can all of 20 them. 20 years, easy. Easily. And I would love, love to see Studio Ghibli do a Star Wars anime like an official canonical Star Wars anime film. I think we we deserve that. After seeing this TIE Fighter film, I'm like, this is the cartoon. This is the Star Wars cartoon that like our age group, our demographic, anywhere from like 18 to whatever fucking deserves. 
all we've gotten so far as far as Star Wars cartoons have been have been like the Rebels cartoon and the Clone Wars cartoon yeah. and they're like Which for little kids. None of us watch. No. no, we don't watch them because they're for little kids and they're kind yeah. of stupid. The only yeah. one that's been that's that's really merited any sort of attention has been the Clone Wars two part series that Jendi Tartakovsky did uh, when the prequels uh, were coming out. Mm. That shit is incredible. It's basically the source material for him to do Samurai Jack. Like this is the guy that created oh, the Powerpuff yes. Girls and Dexter's Laboratory, mm. and. This becomes that was that was his laboratory, Jendi's laboratory, to create Samurai Jack, which is a masterpiece of animation. Mm -hmm. And if you haven't seen that, that's another one too. It's also on YouTube streaming for free. Just go look up Star Wars Clone Wars. That's how I found it recently. Oh, I'm so down. Streaming on YouTube. Just go look it up. But getting back to my point, like we need a Star Wars anime, and we fucking deserve one. So Disney needs to get on that shit asap. What do you guys think? I'm I'm all about it. I mean, I I loved that video. The animation style itself was totally old school. It had the it's not like the newer, cleaner, a little bit bubblier anime that you're used to now. It was like that, you know, proportionally they're a little bit more realistic, uh, a little bit more sharp, narrow. But then, you know, when you're looking at a lot of those old animes from that time period, from when we were kids, it's a little bit jerky and and really kind of rough in places. Even the better ones. Well, that's but, a little bit more. That's a little bit more because of the production. Yeah, of course. Because of the. Oh no. The, I know, I know. No, I just love it because like it takes that old style anime that we're used to and that we grew up with that you don't see as much anymore, and it's just so clean and it's so precise and the the angles are great and the music is great and it just it's all music. There's no dialogue, but it was just like really well done, like really cleanly done. I re- I enjoyed it a lot. Very fluid, great like sound effects and and, and the lighting was great. It just yeah, no, it was super clean and gr- like really fun to watch so i would love to see something especially done in that style if they were going to do something along those lines given disney's recent foray into the asian market mm-hmm. you know with recent I, 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 well recent okay in regard to star wars oh, okay now I, I don't know if you guys know or not but the uh original trilogy was kind of hard to find in in most asian countries and the prequels you could not find them before the force awakens was released in china at big cinemas all through china and um then going further south into taiwan and cambodia and all of that disney actually re-released the films on the big screen so that everybody in asia could be reintroduced to star wars or excuse me not reintroduced but introduced to star wars because they were going to release The Force Awakens and they wanted as much a draw as possible. I wish they did, would have done that for us. That would have been great. Out the, did they put out the, the special edition ones? Or the I, I don't ones? know. I'm not sure if they did the, the, the readjusted, you know, shit-tastic ones that Lucasfilm did. Or, Anyways, I mean, the prequels obviously didn't get really much tooling up once they, you know, were... They haven't been re-released, so obviously it was those. But, I mean, I suspect that they, you know, got some old theatrical cuts and, and released those. But they did that um, from November into December... Because uh, it wasn't released in China until I think middle of January, mm-hmm. so they just released all of these movies back out there with you know revised uh, movie posters and everything like that. Basically, oh, have you seen Star Wars? Well, now's your time because you know we're releasing all this. So given that their their big push to get into the Chinese, Japanese, Asian market uh, was so uh, so aggressive, it wouldn't surprise me if 
they're in talks with some of these great animators. Uh, the only the only issue I could see is that kids these days are are used to seeing the more CG heavy rendering that they see with you know Clone Wars or Rebels or whatever the fuck is airing right now for the kiddies that is involved with Star Wars. So maybe they won't be as receptive to the older style that you and I grew up with well that that depends entirely on who they're going to market it to. yeah well exactly mm-hmm. you know if they market it to people like us or or people you know slightly younger there is a huge anime market in the united states now there has been for a very long time we here in the silicon valley host the second largest anime convention every year in our own fucking backyard uh fanime con that shit draws like about 150,000 people for three days every Memorial Day weekend. It's no joke. You have things like Crunchyroll, which is the Netflix of anime, where these guys, they could make a fucking killing with an officially licensed Star Wars anime. There is a huge market for this. True. And it's not little kids. It's like basically like 10 years, 15 years and up. And that's that's people who maybe they don't have a lot of money, but they've got enough that like they can get a lot, going of to and a lot of clicks they're going to anime con they got enough for that man right you can de- and you can definitely merit enough web traffic and oh, so and so on and so forth and like network traffic to totally justify that all i'm saying dude is i just really want to see my neighbor chewbacca i really want that to happen <laughs> so, we're going to go into our final story in regard to star wars and i was trolling the interwebs uh late last night and i ran across this <laughs> this ridiculous fun little story from Hitflix. Now, if anybody out there shares the same sentiment that I do, and uh, the sentiment being that the prequels are absolute crap and they are just so hard to watch, I I, I literally cannot sit through them anymore. No, about you, I tried to rewatch them. It was painful. I I watched them when they came out, and I have not been back. I I I when I think about them, mm-hmm. it like gives me tremors. Yes. I'm at like at cold sweats. I'm not. I'm not okay with it. Yeah. It was boring. It was creepy. What with the like, hello, little boy, come over here. <laughs> Which normally well, I'm super into that. I don't. I, well, that opens up an entirely. Different uh-huh. I really, I really feel like Anakin Skywalker may have dead Twi'leks in his closet. I'm just saying. Ugh, some skeletons. <laughs> little so, Martian child. This, What's that kid doing this now? Story nothing. Nothing. He's doing absolutely nothing. Uh, Tanked his Jake, career Jake Lloyd, with that who crap. Played young Anakin. He's actually had a string of arrests, <laughs> run-ins with the law, and I think he's, who's surprised? He's in some some Alabama prison for like the last year for another year or something he, like that. He pulled for a, like petty theft and armed robbery. He pulled shit. a Macaulay Culkin. Yeah, he did. Yeah. No, Macaulay Culkin he is went, in jail. He went full Macaulay. No, 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 no. Jake Lloyd is is is. He, he has a nice rap sheet now, whereas Macaulay Culkin has been quietly living in France doing drugs and sleeping with who knows how many women. And He's got the good trust life. Me, if you look at Macaulay it's Culkin, scary looking. But anyway, right. we're getting back to, he is frightening. <laughs> we're getting back to this. Uh, this story uh, actually gives me a, a reason to watch the prequels again. And this story actually surrounds the idea, if you, if you find kind of a subtext in Star Wars and see that the the infighting and the disagreement between Anakin and Obi-Wan is actually over Padme. Specifically, uh, if you if you play to the idea that Anakin's aggression and his turn to the dark side and all of this this anger that he has towards Obi-Wan is that there's actually a secret romance going on between Padme and Obi-Wan, the story becomes a lot more enjoyable. Now, to envision this, you actually have to not include the Phantom Menace because 
you know, Padme's supposed to be like 14 and Obi-Wan's in his early 20s. And like, Obi-Wan's awesome and we don't want to assume he's a pedo. Hey, that's not as bad as her and, and Anakin. Well, no, like, no, 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 no. And, 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 and that doesn't happen in the first one. That's true. He's got, he's got, you know, like the little chubby for Natalie Portman when she was 17. And like, hey, let's be honest. She's always been smoking. I mean, she's, goddamn, she's a smoking Well, yeah, one. the character was supposed to be 13, but yeah, she wasn't yeah. well, Anakin, 13. Yeah, Anakin's 13 my ass. And he's like, oh my God, you're so pretty. Well, hey, okay, come on. I, I, he was supposed to be 13. He was like days, a tiny little. No, he was supposed to be like 10 or something, and she was like 14 or whatever. Uh, Anyways, uh, yeah, so we, like we exclude the Phantom Menace entirely, and we go to the Clone Wars. And, well, yeah, Anakin is. is if, if, if we go along with this, Anakin's aggression and his uncertainty and his and his, his, his general dislike for, for certain things in life stem from the fact that secretly he knows something is going on between Obi-Wan <gasps> and Padme. And this actually does kind of, uh, you know, read in, you know, in the beginning of the movie, Padme uh, is being protected by an old friend, somebody that she uh, supposedly hasn't seen for a good long time, and then it's Obi-Wan. I, I actually want to watch all of these again, just you know, quietly, yeah. just because it's kind of fun. And one of the one of the big like red herrings for this is in the uh, in the latter end of the Clone Wars when everyone's chained up to the pedestals and Anakin, you know, gets this rhinoceros thing. Padme oh, jumps God. up in the middle, and there's this there's this <laughs> just quick scene where Obi Wan jumps up behind her. Total three-way action here going on, but Anakin, if you look at it, is on the outside, not looking in, while Anakin, uh, or excuse me, Obi-Wan, is definitely getting a firm hand on the thigh. <laughs> there's actually yeah. a photo of this no, in the a article. Great shot yeah. frame. And um, I, 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 I give a chuckle here, because this was like circa 2002, so I was 22, and I remember this came out, and like... Wow, I remember that little well, outfit just... that she was running around in, and oh yes, sir. <laughs> can but... I just read the quote from yeah, please, the Hitflix please, article please, because please it's fucking it. the the chick that wrote this says no evidence is more convincing than the moment Padme helps Obi Wan climb aboard Reek the Rhino thing to escape the pit in Geonosis. Hand on thigh, people. Hand on thigh. Could you imagine if the shit was on like Jerry Springer? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so if that wasn't evidence enough for you, choking someone in front of a bunch of rednecks. So, Were uh, you touching my master? So basically, I saw you, bitch. Once you see it, you can't unsee it, and the and the implications are even juicier. When you get to Re Revenge of the Sith, I mean, you can you can imagine the this 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 tryst between Obi Wan and Padme now has been going on for a while, and Anakin is now fully enraged by the fact that. His love has been kind of usurped by his master, and the the possibility of 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 the children that she comes to bear might be his. I I really want to watch this again because it, like when it comes to the final fight, the final the final movie, the Revenge of the Sith, the this the whole fight on whatever planet this is. You'll forgive me, I've forgotten what it is, but. This whole fight just has so much more life in it now. It's just so much more enjoyable to watch because it's not just, oh, well, you've decided to be evil. You know, oh, you've the blood of, you know, young uh, Padawans on your hands. No, you were porking my lady. I am <gasps> fucking mad at you. You were my friend and you didn't only stab me in the back. You stabbed my lady in the cooch. <laughs> like, God damn it, you son of a bitch. And I will kill you because now I'm a bad guy. So when do we get the midichlorian paternity test? Fuck off. Do you have trouble holding the lighter while you're hitting the bong? Well, 
we've got a solution to that, don't we? Drop it on the table. Drop it on the table. Call us here at the Plex. 1-408-457-1757. Pacific Standard Time, 9 to midnight. We're here for you. If you're in the San Jose area and you'd like to be on the Plex, please visit our website, echoplexmedia.com, or find us on Facebook. Who did we get this article from? We got this article from FragHero.com. Apparently, after it's been about 14 years of Xbox Live, they've uh, and now Microsoft's finally announced that they are going to be incorporating cross-platform play with the PlayStation officially. They've been doing some stuff with Windows 10, of course, because you know it's Xbox, so you can do that. Yeah. But Sony is. Sony's been their biggest competitor in the console wars for nearly 20 years. And so yeah, the yeah. fact that they're finally announcing that they're finally going to do cross-platform, cross fuck, that is difficult to say, <laughs> between the devices is pretty exciting and really opens up a world of possibilities for the future of the video game franchise kind of as a whole, especially in the hardware market. I'm I'm an Xbox person. I don't play on Xbox Live. I I don't want to listen to men yell at me for having a vagina. So uh, yeah, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not a fan of of doing the whole co-op play. Yeah, sure. I I if anybody knows me, they know that I like to play the you know puzzle solving games, yeah. Uncharted and Tomb Raider. You know all the the single player ones. I like puzzles and adventure games. Yes. Not a big shooter. No, and all the like. I don't do RPGs. Most of those are yeah. Most of those are shooter and, and I don't RPG, do the like, sports ones either. Not a fan. No. Yeah. The, the highest. <laughs> if I liked sports, I wouldn't be inside playing video games. Yes, <laughs> right. <laughs> For real. <laughs> No, but, but real talk, the the high obviously the highest profile um, multiplayer games on these networks are of course first person shooters. Yeah. Sure. Followed very very closely by sports games. Those yeah. are number one and number yeah. two. And together these are attracting literally billions of people yeah. internationally. So this is a this is a big deal in terms of what this is gonna what this is gonna pretend for the video game industry. Now the company, Microsoft, has basically left it up from here forward, there's going to be some kind of retro, retroactive stuff that's going to go on in terms of that, where they're going to open it up. But it's only with a couple of titles. And moving forward, they're basically going to give developers the choice about whether they want to cross-platform or not. But at the same time, I mean, I think as time goes on, this this stands in a really in a very real way, kind of render the console war between these two essentially meaningless. Like if the if the developers of the games themselves and the studios that produce them can finally like cross platform everything, it's gonna really change the way that the the console war kind of continues, right? Like either it's gonna I'm, become completely yeah. obsolete, or the the marketing is gonna have to shift away from who's got the the most horsepower, which is kind of where it stands right now. Like for a long time, video game industries. But well, specifically Microsoft and Sony have basically been trying to build the better, bigger, better mousetrap in terms of attracting customers. Right, mine's faster and more powerful, and does this and does that, and blah 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 blah. I have a bigger assortment of games. Right, I have more developers. The only exception has been Nintendo, who's been sort of leading the charge very much by themselves in terms of trying to innovate gameplay as a concept, mm -hmm. as far as home gaming is concerned, and. I feel like this is going to force 
the the hardware manufacturers to start to try to to have to try to adapt after a while. I don't know what you guys think about this, but it just seems that the hardware is going to become obsolete if cross-platform play starts to become universal and the companies are going to the more users they can get to play their games across platforms and individually, the more money that they stand to make in terms of subscription services and expansion packs and blah 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 blah. So there's a lot of money to be made so here. Are, are are you are you suggesting that we may be looking at some sort of melding of the two systems. I don't know about that, but I did, maybe not now, but I think at some point, whoever is not, whichever one of the two is not going to be able to innovate successfully in the way that somebody like Nintendo has attempted to do is going to be the one that ends up on the bottom of the shit pile, if not extinct altogether. I don't know. I, I have an Xbox and I, it's, Honestly, I I had an Xbox. I got a really good deal on an Xbox and a bunch of games, and so I bought it. And that's a 360, by the way. I then no longer had a 360, but I had all of these games, so I went out and I bought a 360 again. Now, I was a tried-and-true PlayStation for the first incarnation of PlayStation and then PlayStation 2. Uh, and then I didn't have a console for a good long time. I played some computer games. Um, but then, you know, I stopped playing for a good while, and now I have a 360 again. But I'll tell you, I'm definitely thinking about getting a PlayStation 4 again. Uh, you know, going back to the roots, you know, I've always been a PlayStation. And given the catalog of games that they have available now, uh, which surpasses what Xbox has, plus I hate Microsoft, you know, for varying reasons. I'm not a big Microsoft fan. I don't do Windows. If 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 I do go back to a current um, console, it will be PlayStation. And if if there is going to be a, a bit of a war, I guess you could say, between the two console companies, uh, I would definitely like to see PlayStation come out on top. I think the 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 first place that we really kind of saw something like this happen was with the the big fad that took place with games like Guitar Hero mm -hmm. and Rock Band. When the Wii came out and started to take a bigger slice of, of the market share in the console market than people expected because of the innovations and in gameplay experience, you started to see other companies start to follow up with that. And yes, it was indie developers, but I think that stuff was pretty short-lived because of the fact that without this idea of cross-platform support that involves things like being able to share your something as simple as, as your video game scores with other people across network because we love shit like bragging rights when it comes to stuff like video games right and so the more people that you can post your fucking bragging rights to about like look at my score on guitar hero this is going to bring back things like the peripheral market that had a really brief flare-up like in the in the in the early 2000s and stand to really be able to push other hardware formats like oculus the virtual reality shit that's coming out for video game console and sort of other stuff. This is going to, I feel like this is going to allow the hardware market to develop and expand in new and exciting ways. And that's kind of the biggest thing I'm looking forward to in video games at this point, because at the end of the day, everything is just a bigger, faster computer and there's more bigger, faster computers connected to it to give you the shit to do. But that doesn't change the fundamental experience of what gaming is. Right, and that's what I would like. Personally, that's what I would like to see happen next with video gaming. I, for one, am really excited to announce that a the software that was that is used by places like Studio Ghibli and the folks who create Futurama and a bunch of other great animation programs uh, that we all enjoy 
have announced that their software is about to become free and open source. We here at Echoplex Media are... This is the bedrock upon which our shit is founded. And so this is a big deal for... for I, I think I can safely say this is a big deal for all of us. Um, I don't think Dave cares very much, but whatever. Dave, Dave does not care. Dave does not care, he but we care. care. I care. Although him and I did have a conversation about this the other day, and it was pretty cool. So this software is called Tunes. This product has been around since the early 90s and was recently purchased by a company called Duango, a Japanese developer who's going to put it on the open market. This is this is going to be fantastic, man, because anything that we can do to allow creative tools like this to make their way into the hands of everyday people like ourselves here at Echoplex Media is fantastic. We couldn't do the things that we're doing right now. You wouldn't be able to hear this podcast from us real talk if it wasn't for free and open source software. Anybody who's like a creative, working professional, independent, amateur, paid, freelance, whatever. I have a friend who works in animation and I sent this to her this link to her to let her know this is coming out and like she did internet backflips on Facebook when she was on the news. <laughs> this is this is really really exciting. It's kind of adorable. I was looking at some of the videos and it just looks so intuitive and so I the layering and the like the easy manipulation of the graphics and just like oh it looks so user friendly and I am for as much as I love my art, my video games, I'm not really a techie person. I I remember taking my animation classes and all the computer animation classes were really rough for me. They're, they are grueling sometimes, but like, man, I was looking at this tunes thing. I was like, man, I cannot wait to get my hands on that thing. Like, I'm down. That looks so much fun. Yeah, oh. I don't even, I don't even animate and I want to play with this shit. Oh, it just it looks, looks like so such cool. a good time. Uh, most of the tools that you're talking about that that you see in this first version that come out were actually developed by Studio Ghibli since they were one of the early adopters of the program. The first version that's coming out is sort of unofficially been dubbed the Toons Ghibli edition because of the custom features they've developed over the years. That brings me to another point, which is that the future of the development of this program, once the open source community gets their hands on it, uh, it's just going to run be- with it awesome because you just again going back to like you look at ubuntu and you look at linux and and things like cake studio and stuff this is people like us who have these different disciplinary skills who are willing to spend their nights and weekends like the tie fighter guy who made that fan film to develop this stuff so that we can all use it and benefit from it because it's just it's the thing to fucking do and so the opportunity to sort of push this program even further in the in a volunteer sense is really exciting to me like you're going to have people who are truly passionate about creating animation who are who are truly passionate about developing software starting to have the ability to collaborate in new and different ways to innovate outside of like a corporate structure where there are limits to the ability they have to express themselves to play with source code to be able to just like do whatever the fuck they want with the things that are put in front of them and it's gonna be it's gonna be fucking amazing. I can imagine a barrage of of, mm. of goofy new, internet cartoons. Yeah, yeah. These, these little garage studios popping up all Absolutely. over the place, putting out awesome content. Lots of new 
internet direct shows popping up by some people that you've never ever heard of. This mm-hmm. is going to make careers for some people. I remember the when the I remember when all the the Flash cartoons started coming out way back in the day, back when I was in like junior high and high school, and they were coming out with like, uh, what's that one with the crazy ass squirrel? Foamy the squirrel. Foamy the squirrel. Yes, just like that's old school internet, right? So good though, so good, and all oh, the yeah. e bombs world stuff. Like when that stuff start, first started coming out, and like when people first got their hands on that technology, and the internet it was just flooded with goofy fucking cartoons. Like, oh man, e bombs world. Uh, just I can't wait for that to happen with this because we're gonna come out with some. Everybody's gonna come out with their own cartoons. Yeah. So much fun! Yeah. So much fun! All the goofy weirdos who are locked in their basements, like man, if I could just make myself a cartoon, mm-hmm. let's give them the tools. I want to see what those freaks have to offer. Can you imagine how much easier it would have been for that guy going back to the animation thing specifically? Can you imagine how much easier it would have been for Paul Johnson, the guy that made the Tie Fighter movie, to have access to this software to develop that? Because Again, Studio Ghibli is an anime production company, and he made a Star Wars anime. This shit's the the tools they're putting out, whether you know, one way or another, have got to be sort of optimized a little bit towards. Mm-hmm. Being able to produce some of that shit. I don't know. I mean, that's more of like an artistic style than a technical well, one. But and I don't know exactly. I I didn't look into specifically how he created that one. I don't know if it's hand drawn or if he was using more computer oh, software that's stuff. Digitally animated. Okay, cool. He probably used he probably used some kind of Adobe software for that. All right, still cool. But yeah. like, do again, like looking at this tunes thing, it looks so user friendly, and I was like, oh, you could wait. You don't have to go into this other separate like menu and f- fiddle with. Oh man, I can't wait to play with those toys. Yeah, like mad respect, like mad respect to Adobe. Because yeah. Adobe does amazing things. They and do. They're, and they're a Silicon Valley company. Their offices are mm-hmm. in downtown San Jose, not a even. A couple blocks from my house. They're like not five miles from the Ecoplex Media Studios. Real talk. like, And those motherfuckers do amazing, amazing work. Yeah. And their shit's getting cheaper and cheaper all the time. But the Creative Cloud costs about forty dollars a month. And if you're and if you're anything like anybody who's sitting at this table right now, forty dollars a month on media production software is a lot of money to spend. Oh man! And to be fair, so, I paid the the student price three hundred dollars for the software back in the day, and that was that hurt, man. Yeah, and so the forty do, the forty dollars is not that bad now. It's, it's I, not. It's not that bad, but it's they're so they've changed their business model. Their yeah. software is no longer all a cart. You right. Get a, you get a suite that you buy into. Yeah. And, and then you, you get updates. It. It's a lease. It's not a purchase. Yeah. So you're paying ongoing until you're done. So you end up paying them so but much then you more get, money. But then you get the newest software updates and stuff. So oh, that's you, nice. Well, you do. You get access. As opposed to like the next year I went to class and they're like, oh, you need the new one. I was like, I'm not spending another $400 on new software. Yeah. Like, yeah, you get access to a bunch of stuff through them. I yeah. mean, you get access to something like 15 different incredibly powerful software applications that have designed to be fully integrated with one another. You get something like three free websites with your purchase, and you get direct up, uh, direct upload options through Adobe Creative Cloud to like when you produce product in something like Illustrator or InDesign or some of their yeah. like video production software. You get to upload that shit straight to your website as a finished product through the application that you're using. Now, all of this is fantastic, and these are great incentives to use their shit and this is why again i say mad respect to adobe for what they do because they are the industry leaders for a reason their shit is fucking cream of the crop top notch nothing to fuck with but 
we cannot all afford $40 a month for the creative cloud. Nobody's so going to free being able to provide an alternative is going to open the market to independent animators. And that is the thing I am the most excited about. Closing out our tech section, I ran across, well, possibly one of the coolest little applications slash um, gear that I have seen come out in a good while. Specifically, I'm talking about is the Remedy T8 glove. Now, you get an app that you can put on your phone that interfaces with this glove, and you wear this glove, and it has a, um, a Bluetooth sensor. Basically, you can use this glove to produce music with it. So just the simple tapping and the, the rhythm of your fingers on any surface, as long as you have a hard surface. This is the surface of a table. This is the surface of a wall, uh, the seat on a subway train, hell, even your leg. You can start making music with this glove. And I thought this was, this is the coolest thing. Speaking from somebody who is musically inclined only insofar as I like to make music with my fingers. I always imagine myself in a previous life as some kind of orchestral conductor. So I'm always waving my hands and playing along uh, as as I'm listening to music or as I'm maybe changing the beat, the tempo, uh, the, you know, the stanzas of said music. I saw this and I immediately jumped at it because this is so cool. Granted, this this is new tech. It's not out for uh, public consumption yet. There is a back order. You can order this off of the site that they have here. Uh, it's uh, no. they got some shit on Kickstarter. I know they that do. Much. They, they yeah. got a Kickstarter thing. Actually, they raised quite a bit of money. I bet. On Kickstarter. Yeah. What's they the, had, what's they the name had of the company? Fifty. The the name. Uh, it's uh, Remedy. Remedy. It's the, That's Remedy. right. It's their Kickstarter campaign. Yeah. They were trying to raise fifty grand, and they raised a hundred and thirty grand. No, really impressive for this. They and as I said, the back order on this. They have uh, the initial early purchase of three forty nine. The company is supposed to actually release these come September of this year. And if you haven't really pre-ordered, fast. if you haven't pre-ordered, uh, if you want to buy them outright from the company, it'll be three ninety nine. So you got to pay an extra fifty bucks for it. But this thing is so cool. The glove actually has little sensors in each tip of the finger as well as in the palm, so you could literally play. Music mm -hmm. on the palm of your hand with the tip sensors, what? and as far as I know, right now it's only it's only one glove, but I imagine they'll come out with a pair um, pretty soon, or maybe there's an interface where you can use two gloves at the same time. Cool. This is so cool. Well, they I gotta mean, they gotta cater to us, Southpaws. I'm assuming that it wouldn't be difficult for them to make left-handed glove left-hand gloves yeah. as well as right-hand gloves. The thing that would be really cool is if they got. Two gloves together that could, you know, you could kind of beat out a rhythm with both hands and make it work, and it could, yeah. it could integrate information from both gloves. Yeah. Like that would be impressive. No, I wouldn't be surprised if they've already been developing developing that. They have to have been right. Like you can't because most musical instruments require two hands to sure. play. Yeah, and so. Like, this brings, like, air guitar shit to a whole new level, right? Like, you can sit there and be like, you can sit there and just be like, I have this, like, mealy, 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 mealy in my head. And then you just go, with your hands, you just go, mealy, 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 mealy. Oh, my God. there it is, right? This is actually how it was, uh, the inception of this was made. The user, uh, apparently, I guess his name is Mark uh, Midday, the, 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 the creator of this. Um, he's the co-founder and chief technology officer at Remedy. He used to drum out music you know, with his fingers, you know, just kind of tap out a melody and everything like that and kind of hang out with his friends. And what he really hated is that he would forget yeah. the little riff that he had created. And he thought, well, hey, 
I wish that there was some kind of wearable tech that I could use that could actually record what I've got. And so, lo and behold, he produced something. He created something. This is this is like a fantastic creative tool that you can put in the hands of like younger children to allow them to be able to express themselves. Not at four hundred bucks a pop. Well, and that all depends. I'm ju- this, I know. Again, I know. This, this is this is, this is early days. Yeah, this, this is early like, days. In There's, two five years, you know, this yeah. will go down to you know three hundred for a pair. It's it's gonna make it's gonna give them an opportunity to be able to just express themselves all random mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. and this is just the, yeah like Harrison said this is just the start the trickle down of this technology as it continues to develop will will that's why I love up things up that's why I love the Kickstarters because it's all these weird people like wouldn't it be cool if we could make this let's figure out how we can make this well now let's do a fucking Kickstarter and everybody who's like Somebody, I would buy that I right would here, pay for that five bucks I yeah love, I love it. it's a very novel idea so right it's great, great things in the last few years have come from Kickstarter absolutely mainly awesome my big most favorite game in the entire world Cards Against Humanity there you and go that, right. was a, that was a Kickstarter project right and there. that shit's a huge phenomenon now because yeah. of Kickstarter those guys think, started an institution I give Hell I yeah. give them money this last Christmas when they were doing the uh, the eight sensible gifts for Hanukkah I paid that fifteen dollars happily. To get those eight sensible gifts, and I got a couple of great things. But then I think you have so many cards. I have so many cards. They sent you so many socks. No, no, I got yeah. The four, the first like three or four days were just like, hey, a pair of socks. Hey, a pair of socks. Hey, a pair of socks. (laughs) And like by the third day, I was like, what the fuck (laughs) did I get myself into this year? Because 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 the previous year was phenomenal. It was the 12 sensible days of Christmas. And I got some ridiculously cool stuff. But this year, by the end, I got some really awesome stuff. But my point being is that I've given them money. They literally, after I made my purchase, I got a notice saying, hey, would you like to give us money for nothing? You can donate however much you want. So like, I donated $5. And they're like, thanks. You just gave us $5 for nothing. Would you like to give us another $5? I was like, sure. For I gave them $10. They're Those like, snarky motherfuckers. Well, that's so kind of you for giving us $10 for nothing. We assure you that your purchase is going to give you nothing in return. In the byline, it says your purchase or donation will get you nothing in return. You have just given us money for no goddamn reason. Thank you for your support. The Plex would like to give a shout out to Soapbox Media. Soapbox Media is Randall Aubrey's news and opinion website. Also coming soon is Soapbox Radio, which will be produced right here at the Plex. To check out Soapbox, visit getuponit.org and get up on it. In a world where flying cats are shooting lasers from their eye beams, where can you turn for solace and hope for the future? Echoplexmedia.com I was trolling around on the web as I usually do and I came across a story talking about the actresses who are currently in contention to play the latest newest revision this new iteration of Laura Croft from Tomb Raider I'm a big fan have been since the original PlayStation you know I love those those conical titties torpedo tits <laughs> love those torpedo tits I I found it as as a young male uh, much more interesting and enticing to play puzzle and adventure games if I was staring at uh, the round heart shaped female form and by heart shaped of course I mean ass. Um, Shout out! Run, Laura, run! Yes. Shout out to Idos Interactive. Uh, Eidos. Eidos. Eidos Interactive. Same difference. Yes, thank for you. For Laura Croft's torpedo tits. I will absolutely give a shout out to that. Now, uh, granted, I, I'm I'm an ass man. I can handle a gal who's 
who's who's a bit humbler in the chest if there's a nice ass that I can grab on. But, so, anyways, I digress. Between you and I, we form a complete female. <laughs> yeah, that's right, ladies and gentlemen, Sarah because Monster. ass and breasts, that's all we are. <laughs> there's nothing else up there, in there. I mean, yeah. And if you have neither, then you're worthless, right? I'm just saying Harrison started oh. it. I did start it, and I'll finish it. <laughs> so, I'll finish it. No, I think I'm going to finish it later while y'all are asleep. Oh, trolling. Goodness. As I said, trolling around. Does this on smell the... like ether to you? <laughs> Does this rack smell like chloroform to you? Mm. Trolling around, I came across a short list of women that are apparently up for the part of the reboot of the universe, uh, the Tomb Raider universe. Now, for anybody who's a big fan of the game, like myself, and for anybody who has played the last two games, the current one that was just released here in the last few months and the one that was released two years prior, those two games are supposed to follow um, a kind of uh, a series with her. It's grittier. It's more mature. Um, Lara has switched out her trusty, you know, double pistols for bow and arrow, and she does a lot more climbing and pickaxing, and she's a lot more rough and tumble. It's more mature. Coming across the ladies who are up for the short list, I was actually surprised to see a Gina Carano. Now the name won't. The name won't catch you, but if anybody saw Deadpool, the Russian gal yeah. who is super strong is being tapped. Possibly, I'd be down to see to that. Play Laura I Croft. liked her. I liked I'm, her a lot. I'm having difficulty remembering her face, which troubles me. I know that she was a. Okay, Harrison's flashing his laptop at me right now. When I see her, and I'm like, okay, I I see it. I yeah. see yeah. it. Yeah, I can see the potential there. I could there. see it. Uh, She's. Pretty without being stunning, but she's like strong looking. Like you, if you ran into this chick in a bar, you'd be like, "You're hot," but I think you could kick my ass. And being that this is supposed to be an origin story that sort of maybe ties itself at least loosely to the existing video game franchise, it certainly seems that way. Giving the list of people that they've uh, that they've selected who are all like in their early twenties and very closely resemble the character in the recent franchise. It seems like they're going to do some kind of origin yes, story yes, with her, are. as opposed to dropping her directly in like they did with Angelina Jolie in the well, original ones. obviously what they want, given the, the, the massive following and the resurgence in her, in her popularity, they definitely, and by they I mean studio execs at whatever film company is going to pick this up, because there's no script right now, there's no director, they're searching for the right girl to shape a story and a script and everything around. Obviously, they want somebody who's going to carry a series of films. They want to have similar success like they have with the games. Right. So we move on to our next, which is uh, Tatiana Maslany. If anybody has seen Orphan, Orphan Black. Black. Yeah. I, you know, I have not seen that show. I've heard delightful things, but. It was pretty good, it's man. Very good. Yeah. It's very and, good. And That's she's. It's about clones or something, yeah, right? Yeah, she is fucking versatile because she, she is, plays all she the She plays clones. like seven different variations uh, of her yeah, clones. Yeah, no, check it out. It's really good. It's in its third season and is okay. on Netflix. Mm-hmm. Okay. You can find all of it. Orphan Black, worth watching. Oh, yeah. She, she's got the look. She's she's and she does like a Russian accent. She does an English yeah. accent. She has a British accent. She does French Canadian. I mean, this mm-hmm. woman is versatile. So yeah. I could I and could she believe like, her. She does like a, a nicer English accent. And she does like the Cockney uh, yeah, and like she's fucking, fucking gutter. Yeah, yeah, she's all over the place. She she's very, great. She does she a great job. Good. Very good. That world, by the way, Orphan Black. If nobody's tucked into it, 
You oh, should watch that shit. So fun. So good. If you if you if you've got time to binge watch fucking Daredevil for homework, then we're gonna talk some more from Black. <laughs> I totally binge watched okay. Daredevil for homework. Yes, yes. So <laughs> she's up for the running, and honestly, she would be great. Actually, honestly, I haven't right. I haven't named the forerunner yet, and I'll say she is tied in my opinion for the forerunner. Okay. The uh the next one here, and this is just way out of the park here, is Lupita Nyong. Nyong'o. Lupita Nyong'o? Oh. Yeah. She, everybody would love to see that. Again, she's a British actress, and everybody who's, you know, there, there's there's a lot out there talking, uh, a lot of people out there talking about having, um, who plays Luther? Idris Elba. Idris Elba for Bond. Mm-hmm. Wanting to see uh, not only a cast change, but a skin change. Mm-hmm. You know, people want to see Lupita Nyong'o play Tomb Raider. Right. And I think that's great, but it's not going to happen. Yeah. I yeah, real, realistically, as it as intriguing happen. as that would be to see brought to the screen, I doubt that that will happen. No. That is something that another twenty years from now, after they've made another set of films, or even like fifteen after they've made another set of Tomb Raider. Once films, we've gotten bored with it again, right? <laughs> and after the DVD sales have finally tapered off completely, or whatever the really fucking medium is, it is it. in two decades. Yeah. Yeah. And then then rebooting the franchise, you could probably do it then. But right now, yeah, it's yeah. not no, likely it's too to happen. Big. So Lupita Nyong'o, we love you. You were great as Maskinon, and, and I'm sure you'll do great things in the future. Did y'all see 12 Years a Slave? Yes, of course I saw that. Dude. That, that was a movie. Dude. That was a movie. <laughs> I went and bought the book, and I read the book uh, after that, and I, I, felt, I felt really uncomfortable and a little bit hollow inside after reading that book. That no, shit it's even worse, apparently. Intense. It's even worse, apparently. In fucking tense. So... The probably the most prominent contender as of the now to step in here is Emily Blunt. Okay. And I, I'll say arguably when the prom the most prominent contender right now. Emily Blunt. Love her to pieces. Think she's fantastic. She's actually British, like some of the other ladies here on <laughs> on uh, on uh, up for contention here. I don't see this happening. I think she's too big. I don't think she wants to step into this. I think she could do it. I, I think would she definitely could. Yeah, I would still love to see. I would what pay was money the, to see it. What was the other chick's name? Sorry, Orphan oh, Black uh, chick. Uh, I, I forget yeah, her actual yeah, chick from Orphan Black. Yeah, yeah I would love to see Black. her. Yeah, I would love to see her. Okay, so so far she's my front runner. No, she's she's my front runner next to the actual front runner, and the front Who runner is the is actual front runner. Our Daisy Ridley. No, don't do it. She's already got a franchise. Fuck no, 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 no. I'm all about it. I'm so no. all about it. Did Sarah? Did you see the fan art that I was did. developed for that? Okay. So you 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 looked at the fan art. I, yeah. I, I dug the fan art. A I, picture I threw it up fair. here. A picture is worth a thousand words, right? Like I I see a lot of potential here. I'm not going to deny. Mm-hmm. When you look at the actual images of the character from the actual video game. Mm-hmm. She mm-hmm. looks like the character from the game. She does, which is which is critical, yes. right? Like you want to have someone that you 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 want to shoot to have someone who closely mirrors the appearance of the actual characters, so that all the fans have something to immediately attach themselves onto. Right? And it is supposed to be a younger, and it is supposed girl. to be a younger I mean, character. Emily Blunt's well is, into her thirties now. Daisy's only like 23, 23, 24. I think, right? Okay. Yeah. So she definitely looks the part the best. I don't know enough about her acting career to say whether she... There isn't much to speak of. She's done like three shows. Right. Three, uh, excuse me, three movies, and those were all on British television. She's not a stranger to the theater or the stage, but she hasn't done a whole lot. Though, she did go to an acting school. And I mean, this was... 
this was a school. It's it's kind of like a military academy, but for somebody who means to be an actor or an actress. So she is a vocalist. Oh, she's she's, like, that shit's like fame. Yes. No, no. This school, like, you get your education, but then you take acting classes and singing classes and dance classing classes. Daisy Ridley is a triple threat. She can sing, she can dance, and she can act. She doesn't have a lot of experience. Honestly, Star Wars is the biggest thing she's done, and only, the, I think, the fourth thing that she has done. Oh, uh, And Star Wars is, I think, the first thing where she is a main, not co or supporting. She's the main, one of the main actors or actresses. I think she should focus on Star Wars right now because I'm not a fan of when they get an, you know, I was really happy when they chose a kind of unknown for that, that part. Like, I like that. That was great. Uh, But I don't want to see her everywhere. I don't want to see movies saturated with, I, I, well, I I guess you better close your eyes for the next couple of years. Yeah. Well, I I just want to see, I want to see her pull. I want to see her do one or two other things and that's fine. And then Mm. she can start doing, you know, serious roles and get all into other things. But like for right now, you know, she's rocking the star Wars. That's where I want her to be. And I want to, I don't want, I don't need her in every strong female role on the screen. I want to see somebody different. I'll agree with you. I need some variety. That would be tiring to see her playing the strong feminine role. She would get stereotyped rather quickly. Real fast. And it would get boring. It would. To see it. But I'm, I'm totally biased. I would love to see her in this. I no, want to see I, her. In I this. think again, from a visual aspect, when you see this piece of fan art that somebody made, it's just so cool, and you're like, "Yee!" It's yeah. like, but I, I agree with Sarah. I feel like I want, I want Daisy Ridley to kind of pull a, to kind of pull a Daniel Radcliffe with Harry Potter, and just like really not do shit else in the mainstream for the next several years while these Star Wars movies are getting made. I don't personally, as a fan, I don't want to think of Daisy Ridley as anything else other than Ray, <laughs> right? now i really she, don't i really don't want to think of her as anything else I she's right gonna now. like if she does all these star wars movies like and she's set at this point she she's set. she signed the contract yeah, she's doing she's gonna do them she is going films. to be this like she's set for the next 10 to like she's got a solid base for her acting career yeah. for the rest of her life that's where i want to see her and then she can branch out i do not want to see her everywhere because i will get sick of that shit i'm i'm i really am the complete opposite i want to see her flesh out her portfolio here i want to see her do she'll have that i want to see her do some funny rom-com i want to see her do something that maybe is uh, is too similar maybe give it time well no and and and, and, uh, this is just the beginning of her career for oh yeah this is i mean she's she was given the golden egg (laughs) She no was given the golden egg. This is the highly coveted. Unless she flops of next Star movie, Wars. and then we'll never forget and her. I don't think that she will. <laughs> no, I, I don't really think so don't either. think that she will. You know, she had J.J. Abrams, arguably the best director on the planet right now, give her serious fucking acting lessons. I don't know about. I mean, one best of the first director. days, one of the best directors, one of the, the best highest directors. profile, highest perhaps. profile. Okay, he's not the best oh, director. Man. Okay, because they've they've got a lot yeah. of other people. But there's there's a story on the internet right now that came out recently, and that has uh, JJ actually got really really flustered with her on like the first day of shooting because he said she was too wooden and not she wasn't emotive enough and she wasn't bringing across all of her feelings and he literally for like two or three days was like working with her and coaching with her and and he got rather flustered visibly annoyed at some instances because she couldn't just be natural and casual because she was just freezing up but under that kind of pressure i can understand natural (laughs) do it now (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Uh, so, but 
I mean, we all saw her in Star Wars. Yeah, she's fantastic. She's fantastic, and but and, and I just kind of I just kind of want her to stay as Ray for a while. I know that she said very explicitly in the uh, in the article that you put on the docket that she's definitely really interested in the role. So she's if, essentially waiting for somebody to call her. She's waiting. Yeah, she's this. she's just a lady in waiting right yeah. now. So we'll see if it actually happens. And or not. she could wedge it in with her shooting schedule. They are shooting mm -hmm. episode eight right now. But there's a window of like six months, and I'm 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 saying I'm saying that right now it probably won't happen after she's done shooting of episode eight. More than likely, it'll be something that is shot right after they are done shooting episode nine. So actually, if you guys are waiting for her to to step out and play something after Ray, this could very well be the next thing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I just one more time, and I know I've said it already, but it's just like. Because she's already in this strong female role, I just don't want to see her typecast. I don't want to see her in every strong female role. Yeah. I want to see multiple strong female leads. I don't want her to become the token strong chick. Mm -hmm. You know, like yeah. this I don't could be very career limiting. For yeah, her. and and not just career limiting for her, but also. A role model limiting for a bunch of girls in the world. It's like, yeah, we, we have one strong female actor. Yeah, that's really cool. Let's get a couple other ones out there. We don't yeah. need just the one. Well, it's like one in one fashion, right? Yeah. Like where, where why can't she's, I have more? Yeah, she's playing this particular dimension of that of that archetype, right? And there are many versions of that sort of archetype of the strong female character. And if she goes from Star Wars straight to Tomb Raider, it's like, like Too close. I said, it's, yeah, it's a little career limiting in that regard. She's going to keep getting those kind of roles. Yeah. And it's not going to let her open up as an actress. Yeah. And as someone who's so young, like she's got so many opportunities to be so versatile. And I hope she she can get an opportunity to really flex that. Well, mm -hmm. I'm I'm honestly I'm I'm curious to see what she has, you know, in, in the works here. Mm -hmm. Um, in the meantime, I I took an opportunity because I thought this was I didn't I didn't hear the other shortlist stuff that you mentioned earlier. Okay. Uh, that didn't make it since it didn't make its way to the docket. But I took an opportunity because because, again, I'm, you know, being sort of 50 50 on the Daisy Ridley thing. I took an opportunity to go through and kind of see who I might think might make a good Tomb Raider. And uh, I have a couple of suggestions I wanted to run by you guys. Fantastic. The first one is I'm not sure if I'm going to pronounce this right, but I think it's Ellery Jung, who plays. El, uh, her name is Ellery Young. She plays Electra on Daredevil. Oh yeah, I could see her making making a pretty fantastic uh, Lara Croft. She's got that. She's got that sort of look where she's vaguely, she's sort of vaguely multi international, mm -hmm. right? Like she's got this very European mutt. Well the, well, the gal who her. plays Electra, I think she's she's Greek and Iranian or something. She's like that. not. She's not actually Greek. Electra, as a the the actual character, Electra is supposed to be Greek, uh, yeah, but yeah. Ellery Young is not Greek. But she's also got the like the martial arts skills. Like before she started doing Daredevil, she's been training in all these martial arts forms that she's doing in Daredevil for the better part of a decade before mm -hmm. even being cast for this role. This is her thing. Yeah. So she's yeah, got yeah. the physical years. prowess and the and yep. the and the along with the acting chops to be able to play this. And we'll get into Daredevil in a little bit, but as Electro, she is a tour de force in that show and has incredible presence as an actress. And so I think she yeah. could really pull this off. And she's also got the age else. bracket thing, you have right? Somebody else. The other person that I was thinking is Willa Holland, who plays Thea Queen on Arrow. 
I don't know that oh, one. Yeah. Have either of you guys I watched Arrow? I, I fuck fuck the DC universe on the CW. Fuck it. It's a you soap fuck the CW. Opera. It's a soap opera and it pisses me yeah, off. Yeah, it's a teen soap it opera. It just and makes so me mad. I cannot get into it. ABC's doing the same thing with Supergirl, and it's just this cheeky kind of you know cliche of you know what it could possibly be it doesn't have the same dark and grit this is why i love netflix and what they're doing because it's it's not really melodrama it's not this whiny oh i'm just having a really bad day nobody likes me we well, have to consider <laughs> the market well fuck cw they're just ruining it and i can't get into it my ex-wife fucking loves arrow huge flash fan and this dumb bitch yeah no th- that's, that's why you don't some, like it no no i literally i can't watch it but uh, you know what this is this is this is another reason why she and i never worked because she is definitely <laughs> cw and i'm definitely a netflix kind of guy okay so i liked arrow okay i didn't like flash i thought the flash was fucking oh dumb. it's terrible okay. But Arrow, I thought was pa- Arrow, I thought was passable enough. Okay. And yeah, the CW is like some tween shit. It's not really for for us, like thirty somethings. It's it's for the fucking like early twenty something audience. But like, I like her, and again, she's she's got the right look. She's got pretty solid acting chops, and she's got the martial arts skills and things fucking worked out to be able to play a character like that. Uh, the last person that I had suggested, and again, because it would make her a traitor to the fucking cause, but Gal Gadot, who's playing Wonder Woman in Dawn of Justice, it it won't happen. But I think that she oh, well, could potentially. Maybe. Do Actually, it. sorry, my brain was stuck in. Uh, you were talking about Marvel there for a minute, but no, she could. I uh, I could see it though. She's Iranian. Oh uh, no, she's Israeli. She's Israeli, so she could definitely pull off a British accent. Mm-hmm. I could see it. or haven't come out of the closet. Um, Netflix. Not that we judge. Netflix signed a deal with Marvel to do five standalone series, each showcasing a certain character. Daredevil was the first. Jessica Jones was the second. We were introduced to Nick Cage, who will be showrunner of the third. Then we're going to do Iron Fist. Uh, which is going to be the fourth, and then the fifth will be the culmination of these four characters together as the Defenders. And who knows how long this is going to carry steam. A few years, at least. A few years. Now, we spoke about Jessica Jones on a previous show, and I'm a huge fan, and I came late to the game when when it came to Daredevil. I only watched Daredevil the first season here. I finished it literally two days ago, and I'm now halfway through the second season, and I'm fucking absolutely, absolutely engrossed and absolutely love it. It's good. It's very good. It's It's really good. good. I have to say, and I I went on a rant here a little earlier about how shitty the CW is with their incarnations of the Arrow and Flash. It's all it's all very melodrama. It's all 90210 meets the superhero genre and it pisses Are you okay? me off. It pisses me Are off. Are you okay, Harrison? I mean, it's, you know what, I mean, like all Do you these... need to talk about your feels you know what? I, with a superhero? I think one of the things that really makes me mad about the CW and I absolutely love about what Netflix does is that, you know, people are getting beat up and, you know, people are getting knocked out and everything like that on, on Arrow and The Flash. But it's very, 
it's 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 kid friendly it's kind of teen friendly like we're making sure everybody's happy and nobody dies it's teen friendly yeah if anybody has watched this current season of daredevil the body count is fucking piling up you haven't seen anything yet okay i'm i'm halfway through the second season you ain't seen shit and the first episode 10 minutes in when we are introduced not even we don't even get to be introduced to the Punisher, but everybody knew it was the fucking Punisher. The body count jumped to twenty in two and a half minutes as he just unloaded sniper it's rifle. The opening and fucking gun, scene and of like, season two. He just fucking slayed all of these IRA members. And it was fucking brutal. Well, they're not IRA. Bullet- they're Irish mobsters. Irish mobsters, but they have connections to the anyways. <laughs> anyways, they're fucking Irish brogue. And anyways, the, I mean, it, I love that Netflix because it is paid subscription television or streaming network. It's not ABC, NBC, and all that where they have the FCC guidelines. They can show you some boobies if they want. They can show you some side butt, some side boob. And most importantly, in my opinion, is they can be gritty and dark. You can see somebody getting shot in the head. And it fucking looks juicy. And in that first episode... It's it's fucking brutal. It's It's really... It's really, really good. It's not just that they gun down like a whole bunch of people. It's that... When you see them getting gunned down, like there's one guy who gets a hole in his chest that's about six inches across. Like it looks like the motherfucker got hit with a rocket. Yeah. Like it's so brutal. And I, for one, was not prepared. Season one of Daredevil is not this graphic. It's not. Season two of Daredevil is really, really graphic. Yeah. I, for one, over the last couple of days, binge watched the whole show in advance in advance of doing, uh, doing our episode tonight. Mm. And... If I were to give a rough estimate of the body count in season two, it's well over a hundred. What do you think? Oh, okay. Well, then you finish. You're the only season. halfway through, you son. Like you season. ain't seen shit. You finished, and like there I'm, are I'm, there are some dead motherfuckers at the end of this episode. Well, so, so many of the season. So many. So for anybody who is listening to the show, obviously we are doing a spoiler review of Daredevil. Oh, yeah. So if you don't want to listen anymore, then quit listening. I am. Spoiler alert! Spoiler I am, alert! I think I finished episode four, where um, Matt stumbles into his apartment after finally kissing. Help me with their name. Karen Page. Karen Page. The okay, okay. I I'm really like I'm musically inclined, very musically inclined, and I love a good soundtrack to to a series. and And I love the closing episode of season one because when uh, the the guy that they that that Matt finds who rats everybody else out in Wilson Fisk's organization that's dirty. They do this great montage with Luciano Pavarotti, one of the best tenors in the entire world. They do this montage of, of the cops running these guys down in this beautiful buildup of one of uh, Luciano's best known operatic performances. And you'll forget me, but I don't remember what it is. You'll forgive me, but I don't remember what it is. But it was so good. And they, they continue this trend in with music and the scene with Karen and Matt when they when they kiss Oh, it's beautifully done. I mean, there's this, there's this, they're in the rain and they're standing outside of Matt's apartment and there's this one single drop and they follow it along the screen and it drops on her right arm. It drops on her right arm and it slowly trickles down and his hand comes up to meet it and he slowly traces his hand up her shoulder. Sexy. And then he like moves his hand onto her cheek and like her bottom lip is quivering. And mind you, this is a blind guy doing this. So it adds so much more depth and sexiness because... 
you know, this is a blind guy feeling his way across this woman's body. And like, Deborah Ann Wallet's gorgeous. Tell I mean, me. She's fucking beautiful. Tell me more. And, and so he runs his hand up her arm and then up to her cheek and the lip trembles. And then he brings her in for a kiss. And it was just so sexy. Oh, my God. Yeah. It was good, dude. It was that so was a, good. That was a really good moment. And oh then. And, and then, then. He stumbles into the apartment and. He, he, he cracks open the fridge, and I love how he really – he plays the part of being a blind man because he stumbles into this dark apartment, and you know the normal person is going to switch on lights and everything like that, but this guy's blind, so he's not switching on lights. So the whole set is dark. It's got this kind of deep atmosphere to it, and it, it, it really plays well into it. And he stumble, he walks over to his fridge, and he cracks open a beer, and he, he takes a swig off the beer, and he smiles, and then he reaches for a knife. Yeah. And he, he, like, he looks around, and he's like, Electra. And then it, it boom, it, it hit. And they show her, and she's just sitting all basic like, instinct style on exactly, the couch. She's like, "Hello, Matt." And then boom, cut. Yeah, cut and that black. was the end of the. Cut and that black. was the end of the and episode. And that's the last I've seen. Now, mind you, I've read a few teasers and spoilers, but I haven't read the lot. We're obviously not done with Electra because we've just been introduced to her, oh, and yeah. we're obviously not done with the Punisher, which I'm really happy about because John Bernthal. Oh yeah. Really okay. I will say that when it comes to John Bernthal. Having seen him uh, in the first two seasons of The Walking Dead, he really kind of formed this 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 stereotype, this archetype with with him as a character uh, that I I got used to, and seeing him here as the Punisher, I still saw him because he did the same role in Fury as the Gunner, this kind of foul mouth, kind of rough around the edges, brutal guy. But I will say, if any of you have taken time to see uh, Me, Earl, and the Dying Girl, he plays an English teacher in it, and he completely steps out of all of these rough and tumble roles that he's done before. I mean, you know it's him, but I mean, he's uh, he, he he gives a lot of extra dimension to to his personality, and he proves that he's got some serious acting chops. And I really really dug his role in that. But I love him as the Punisher. I love him as the Punisher. thought John Bernthal knocked this shit out of the motherfucking park because again, you haven't seen anything yet. I guess not. Seeing there how is it's only a episode four. there is a scene when it comes to just the pure bloodthirsty sort of. Mo- martial aspect of this character there is a scene coming up probably about four episodes from where you're at where he engages in one of the most brutal fucking bloodbaths that you've ever seen <laughs> on television it like turned yeah. my stomach a little bit yeah. it's like worse so than the red wedding oh wait you haven't watched game of thrones i haven't and so uh, i can't so i can't compare it to that but wait I, I, i've watched You've watched Game of Thrones, so yeah. let me when you get there, let me know which one was more toe curling, okay. like mildly. I need to go back and watch the Red Wedding again. The- <laughs> which, which, which uh, you'll you'll forgive me. The Red Wedding, where um, where um, where that little they stab the pregnant lady in the stomach. Oh no, that's right. The Red that's Wedding. The Red oh, Wedding. The Red Wedding. Where they yeah. gut her in the stomach oh. and then he gets shot with arrows and then they slit mom's throat. Yeah. yeah. See, I've read. I've read that the books. That shit was brutal. I have read the books. Okay. Of Game yeah, of me Thrones. too. And so. Oh, I've been waiting thing. for weeks for it, and none of my roommates knew it was coming. I was just like, here it comes. Right. Here it comes. When everybody. Here it comes. When everybody, yeah, when everybody was watching the show that hadn't read the book, I was like, oh, just wait, just wait, just wait, because when I read the book, I. That's like that fucking Neil Armstrong man in the moon, moon moment. I can remember exactly where I was and what I was doing when I read Storm of yeah. Swords and when I read The Red Wedding in Storm of Swords. 
I was in my I was in my my room in the place that I was renting, and I literally it was like three in the morning because I could not put this fucking book down. And I read the part about the red wedding, and I literally had to stop and bookmark my book and set it down and walk away. Did you and cry? I went out. No, I didn't cry. But I walked away. I put it down and I went outside and I smoked like three cigarettes. And I thought about what just happened. Because the implications of what just happened at that point, like I'm getting chills now still thinking about it. I then proceeded after a half an hour to go back at 3.30 in the morning and read that book for the next five hours. <laughs> I could not put that shit down. I, f- I just about finished the book that night because it's only about halfway through Storm of Swords. Now, bear in mind, each one of these Game of Thrones books is nearly is a thousand tone? pages. They're massive. Each one is like the length of the stand, right? And I read most of the rest of the, that book ridiculous. in the next five, five and a half hours before I finally went to sleep. See, I'm, in the, I'm, I'm, I'm here in, in that I've not read the books. I've only ah. seen the series. And everybody tells me that I need to read these books you and, do and i'm I will the only reason why i feel justified not having watched the show because okay. i've read the books <laughs> okay. the only reason so we're let's jump back on topic here as we only have a few more minutes of before i got a piece out um, so i i was late to the game when it came to daredevil and i will say i still watching, haven't watching the first season i i know why it, it did take me a little while to kind of gear up and really feel the motion of the series and where it was going in. And really, it does slowly climb. Unlike Jessica Jones, in my opinion, where it, it, it it's easy to watch in the beginning and then, oh, shit, it's really difficult to watch in the end because it just gets really emotionally, mentally kind of... Uh, I'm overly still aggressive. trying to finish Jessica Jones, and, and I, I and I, I ate through that in two days. I watched the first season of Jessica Jones. I ate through it now, and I've already explained a lot of my reasoning for that on previous shows, so I won't go into <laughs> that now. But with with the first season of Daredevil, it, it built to a slow crescendo, and you're doing a lot of kind of searching and and finding out who this character is with the series, which in retrospect now is really good because they did an excellent mm-hmm. job of building the character and helping you realize who he is and who Foggy is and, and who uh, Karen is. And then by the end of it, like the, I literally, I didn't watch the end of season one until two or three nights ago, but I watched the last three episodes in quick succession. Mm-hmm. And I, I loved it. I loved it, loved it, loved it. And then I immediately started watching season two. And then I continued to like, I literally spent all of, all of uh, I think Tuesday, Tuesday after I got off work, I just watched and just watch. And now I like I'm I'm really I want to get to the end, but then that means I have to wait another year for season three, which I fucking hate. This I know, is why right? I come so late to the game sometimes, so I can binge watch a couple seasons, mm-hmm. and then I've had it. I've had enough. So I'm looking forward to watching the end of that, and I'm sure Daredevil. Um, I suspect Daredevil will come on as another small segment. Um, on the next episode, probably the episode after that. But what? I'm definitely all about the Daredevil. I I I fully endorse Daredevil. I love what they're doing. I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do with Nick Cage. I'm really, I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do in this Marvel verse, in this pocket of the Marvel verse, because they are going to tie all these characters in to the big movies later. It's going to be fun. It's going to be really fun. Guarantee they're going to bring all these guys in an important, for Infinity Wars Part 1 and 2. An important note to make about the first season of Daredevil, which I also thoroughly enjoyed, is the fact that 
Daredevil was one of the first shows that Netflix produced where the writers wrote something exclusively for Netflix and more specifically, more exclusively for binge watchers on Netflix. The way that show is scripted, it plays out much more like a, what is it, 12 episodes, right? So it plays out much more, 13 episodes, so it plays out like a 26-hour movie. So each episode takes a lot more time to do exposition. It does not reiterate itself across episodes where you don't get callbacks to the previous episodes on Daredevil because they're not they're they're not considered to be as necessary the way that the show's put together. This is a show, the first season in particular, that they they designed to be watched easily three or four episodes at a stretch, not one episode every week, right? The second season is different. The second season definitely has much more of a kind of classic television feel. Each episode, it's it's highly it's it's still very serialized, but each episode ends very much more in a cliffhanger. It's a lot more action packed. There's a lot of more movement to this one, and they can do that now because they've already established the characters and they've already established the world. And they so, have a captive audience, and they have a captive audience already. So now you can start to move things along. Mm-hmm. But I got to give mad props to that first season of Daredevil because the way that it's put together was an incredibly ambitious project, and that could have easily backfired upon them. But the could writers have- they got for that show were a bunch of Hollywood vets who have been working well, in in for a long in, in Hollywood for a long time and a couple of newbies who were like some serious hotshots that wanted to do something new and Netflix gave them the room to be able to do that. Now and speaking on that really quick, I hadn't noticed this until I was watching the second season and I went back just to double check on the first season. But Drew Goddard I don't know if you guys know the name. I know but, I've seen it all over the the okay. title credits. This but. is somebody who came up with Joss Whedon. Mm-hmm. This is this is like he was the producer of Buffy. He produced um, Neil Patrick Harris and Nathan Fillion, uh, the uh, the three parter Doctor Horrible sing along. Oh Ball. yeah. Okay. He's one of the main producers. This guy. I fucking loved that. This guy is a nerd in true form. And he is the head producer of Daredevil. So yeah. this man has stock in the nerddom that is the Marvel Universe. This man knows what he's doing. Mm-hmm. So the buck is really stopping with him because I went and I looked and he's also one of the producers of Jessica Jones. So he's obviously spearheading all that Netflix has right. with Marvel. And I'm really, really happy about this because he is he is on par with Joss Whedon. Not as a director, but as a producer. And a somebody who knows mind. a creative yeah. mind. Somebody who knows what the fuck they're doing when it comes to the comic lore. So I'm very happy with this. I like you just the way you are.
inside